This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. If you do want to go and grab yourself anything from over at Luke, please do use my code MAX20 for 20% off. The MAX20 discount code does only work on full price items, so if you see anything over there that takes you fancy, please do use that code as it helps support myself and the channel, and of course helps you get a nice big 20% discount as well. Hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Lyons. Simon, how are you, mate? You all good? Yeah, doing really good, thank you. What a weekend then, mate. Absolutely just what the doctor ordered. Villa back into the top four, leapfrogging Tottenham after they drew earlier on in the day to Everton. They obviously sit in fifth, Villa back in fourth. It's feeling good. Back on track, aren't we? It feels like a little bit after that disappointing midweek last week. Yeah, it was just what the doctor ordered, wasn't it? I think we, um, we came out of the Newcastle game and we... You know, we looked ahead to Sheffield United on the weekend and thought, right, it's a real, real good opportunity. And I think, you know, we were all going to be kind of happy with getting any sort of win, weren't we, against Sheffield United? And yeah, mm. you know, really deep down, we all knew that if we could, if we could go there and put in a really sort of convincing performance, it would, um, you know, it would sort of calm, calm people down a little bit because obviously we haven't been brilliant over the last sort of six weeks or so. So um, yeah, it was important to go there and not only win, but I think put in a fairly convincing performance and and that's exactly what we got. Yeah, definitely. It really felt like one of them games where it felt like, look, Villa haven't won in 2024, whatever means necessary, don't care how we get over the line here. We just sort of need to get three points and we did and we'll talk about that a little bit more in this show. It's a big week for Villa now then, isn't it? A really, really big week and it feels like with that Sheffield United victory, it's sort of the perfect time to get that victory. Obviously, Chelsea in the FA Cup midweek and United at the weekend. It felt like the perfect time to get such a, a statement victory, really. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It is a big week, obviously. The Chelsea game this week feels a little bit bigger now because of, you know, we know we're potentially facing a championship opposition at home in the in the fifth round if we do get through Chelsea. So that's taken on a little bit more significance. And then the game against Man U, obviously on Sunday, a really big game because if we can win, we really sort of extend that gap between fifth and sixth and puts you on puts you on course really, doesn't it? To, to sort of get that top five finish. I mean, what is the 15 games to go? So... You know, we're closing in, really. I mean, like, sounds mad, but we're kind of closing in. And so, it goes quick. If, yeah, it does. And so, if you can extend your leads uh, over the teams below you in terms of Man U West Ham, then um, it would be really important. Obviously, Man U picked up form recently. They've been pretty good in the last few weeks. Mm. And so, yeah, it'll be an interesting week, a tough one, because Chelsea have got everything to prove sort of thing on Wednesday night. Pochettino's facing a little bit of pressure, isn't they? An informed Man U side on Sunday, but you never know which Man U's going to turn up, though, do you? So the thing that the, the thing that I find a little bit ironic was that I suppose the start of our little sticky patch came against Sheffield United back in December, um, yeah. and about obviously how the fixtures go, it's uh, it was against Sheffield United where it sort of stopped, sort of thing. So um, yeah, yeah, a bit of a weird one, but yeah. So hopefully we can hopefully we can have a strong week, and then on Sunday against Man U, sort of avenge the the defeat we had up at there back on Boxing Day. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting. Yeah, exactly. It'd be really nice to put that United game, sort of prove ourselves a little bit after what happened at Old Trafford because that was absolutely terrible. Coming up in the show, then we'll preview those uh, Chelsea and United games in a little bit more detail in the FA Cup and Premier League respectively. And of course, our away day at Bramall Lane and the key takeaways from that game as well. Just before we do get into that though, please do subscribe to the show. What If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please do subscribe so you never miss an episode going forward. If you fancy as well, please leave a review. That is very much appreciated. 
rated on five stars on whatever platform it is, just leave us some nice reviews and likes and, and stuff like that. That'll be very much appreciated. Please go and check out Villa on Tour on YouTube as well. Plenty of videos going on up there at the moment. And of course, go and check out the uh, Sheffield United vlog. That was, of course, a good one. And we are now officially a football podcast. I don't know if people have noticed, but on Spotify, if you went onto the um, Villa on Tour podcast feed, it said American football is sort of the category, which is really, really weird. And I got a few messages from that. So I was on um, Spotify's sort of helpline for about three hours the other day. So finally, we are now officially a football podcast. So that's a bonus, side. Happy days. It is. It's been like that ever since the start, hasn't it? The American football thing. Weird. Yeah, yeah. We noticed it. I don't know why. We noticed it at the very beginning of the podcast, didn't we? So yeah, it's good to good to finally get that sorted. Yeah, a year in the making. We are now a football podcast. We touched on it a couple of minutes ago, but it felt like this game was was huge. I think following that Newcastle defeat, and I think it was the manner of it, wasn't it? It was it was so flat, and it felt like we said it in the show after the game that it sort of felt like a result was like that was coming, and it just felt like this game we had to get our momentum back. Obviously, no no Premier League win in twenty twenty four. It just felt perfect to get ourselves back on track at the weekend, and to do it in such style as well. I, I think that was the main thing. Yeah, yeah, it did, and um, I think it, I think it shows the sort of character in the side though that Emery sort of built in there. And we've been saying it before, but when Villa lose a game, they tend to follow up with a win the following game. It, they don't lend, they they don't they don't usually let it you know get, drift into three four defeats on the bounce sort of thing yeah. like like it might have done under previous managers. And um, so yeah, it was um, it, it was a, it was a good test of Villa's metal. And we all, okay, we all know Villa are a better side than Sheffield United, but. We know that Sheffield United came to Villa Park back in December and made life, you know, really difficult for us. And they, they have picked up slightly since Chris Wilder went in. Like, we all know that, that mm. they're probably the weakest team in the division at the moment, but they're still putting up a fight. I mean, they they had a fight against Crystal Palace, you know, the other night in midweek, and and there has been sides that go, that that have gone to Bramall Lane and sort of struggled there as well. So I think for us to to go there and run out so sort of rampant winners was. Uh, was 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 really impressive, and I, I think I was just impressed with the way Villa went about it. Really, just went into the game and just really, mm. just really sort of attacked it, didn't they? They didn't really worry about what the opposition were going to do, and just play to our strengths. And you know, we've been worried in the last few weeks about uh, creating chances and scoring chances, and yet, wow, all those fears were sort of allayed on Saturday, weren't they? Yeah, it was. It was a weird one, really, because in our in our pre-match score predictions, I think you said four-one. You really fancied us to go there and and really have a go. I said two-nil. Um, so again, I, I fancied us to do the job, but I was expecting a, a little bit more from Sheffield United. I thought they would have looked at Villa and thought, right, we're at Bramall Lane, we're at home, half five kickoff, live on the telly. Like you said, they'd have a they'd have a couple of decent results. Obviously, West Ham went there, and, and Sheffield United got a, a draw against them. I'd have thought they would have looked at Villa and thought, yeah, they're a wounded animal. They've struggled. They've limped sort of so far in 2024. Big side coming to Bramall Lane. Obviously, they've done a job on us at Villa Park as well, coming very close to getting all three points there. I don't know. I just expected a little bit more from them. Yeah, I, I thought the way they played was a bit weird, to be honest with you. They were a bit like... They, they, were, they were neither really... They weren't really pressing us, but they weren't really sort of defending deep either. I wasn't really mm. quite sure what they were trying to do. I mean, very early on in the game, they were sort of very like high line, weren't they? And then I think the first goal, the, the early first goal, really sort of killed it, to be honest, and sort of stumped Sheffield United because after that, their tactics were like neither or really. I didn't really understand what they were sort of trying to do. But I think the reason why I was predicting such a sort of comfortable victory before the game is just that I did have this in my head that, you know, we lost on Tuesday. It was a 
disappointing for everybody. But I just had it in my head that, you know, this team doesn't lie down and take defeat very easily. And I just thought, mm. I think we'll come back and I think we'll put in a performance today sort of thing. And um, yeah, and I just thought, you know, if we are on song and we do play to our potential, we have got the ability to hurt teams as we've seen earlier on this season. So that that's where that confidence came from, probably together with a few beers and whatever on Saturday as well. But that that's <laughs> that's where that confidence came from for me really. And um and yeah, to be honest, then the game sort of panned out kind of how I'd yeah, kind of how I predicted it maybe. You know, you're always you're always expecting maybe a little bit more of a of of a tougher game. But yeah, I just think um I just think that first goal really sort of killed it. And I think Sheffield United were a little bit stumped by that and I don't think they knew how to sort of sort of, sort of move to their own plan B, etc. throughout the game. I just think they really, really struggled after that point. And so the early goal was was absolutely key, definitely. Yeah, it was nice to see Villa sort of start quite aggressively. You mentioned a few beers there. It was really nice having a, a half-five kickoff. And I, I've said a few times, I really like an away day in Sheffield. It's only up the road. Obviously, half-five kickoffs are a slightly later coach. Uh, we had some breakfast, cooked breakfast and a nice lie-in. So it felt kind of different, didn't it? Obviously, most of our away days this season are sort of two o'clock on a Sunday. And it's, it's nice to have one that's sort of only up the road, nice and late on a Saturday. Uh, we were at the pre-match pub as well, owned by former Villa player Kevin Gage in Dronefield, just south of Sheffield. It was a cracking day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Love a love a half five away. Obviously, it just means you uh, you do get a little bit of extra time in the morning, sort of thing. And uh, yeah, not far to Sheffield either, which was even better. And yeah, yeah as you say, that pub um, that pub we've been to a few times with Kevin Gage owns up in Dronfield, and uh, yeah, really really nice. Yeah, and it, uh, it just set the day up nicely, really. And obviously, not a far journey then to Bramall Lane, only about 15, 20 minutes back on the coach to Bramall mm. Lane. So yeah, it was ideal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit weird, really. We got there really early. I think we got to Bramall Lane. What was it? Just just after four o'clock. It was weird because I think. Coventry went to Sheffield Wednesday a couple of weeks ago and obviously Sheffield Wednesday give you a massive allocation. I think Cov had about five or 6,000 fans and they caused like real, real problems on the coaches. Coventry were just causing problems. So South Yorkshire Police uh, said to Villa that all the coaches had to arrive between half three and half four. So we got there and the I mean, turnstiles weren't even open yet. So we were sort of twiddling our thumbs in the rain outside of Bramall Lane. But uh, I like Bramall Lane. I think it's one of my favourite stadiums in the Premier League. Proper, old school, traditional concourse was okay it's decent I mean the away stand's kind of small behind the goal lower tier um, but it's, it's got to be one of my favourite stadiums in the Premier League yeah just one of them traditional old old style stadiums and so yeah that, I'm, I'm, I'm always a big fan of that so yeah rare, really really good and it, you tend to generate a decent atmosphere in that away end so yeah it was uh, it was it was good and Sheffield's uh, whether it's whether it's Sheffield Wednesday or Sheffield United it's always an away game I, I always really look forward to yeah definitely I think Sheffield United have got them sort of poles in their cop behind the goal I think it's similar to Hillsborough, isn't it, in that respect? I know they've got them as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, whether it's Hillsborough or Bramall Lane, absolutely love going up there. Back to the football then. I think you mentioned then about Villa's start. I think we did start aggressively and I think that's exactly what we wanted. But I think Sheffield United's best spell was early on in the game. I think Broughton Diaz had a, a chance in the sort of first 10 minutes or so where Martinez nearly fumbles it. I think he kind of falls on the board, doesn't he? But I think apart from that sort of opening 10 minutes before the first goal, Sheffield United had nothing. I think Cam Archer was on the bench. He's been on the bench in recent games, hasn't he? Um, maybe expecting to get a game, but their only threat really was that I was worried about was Diaz. I think he scored uh, two in his first two games in the Premier League. So that's encouraging for them. But apart from that sort of early spell from them, there was nothing, was there? No, there wasn't. As you say, they had that... They had the one where Martin just it just sort of spilled under Martinez and he managed to get to it, but even that was only really a sort of half 
real, you know, half chance. You know, it wasn't exactly like it was a clear cut opening sort of thing. It was a fairly, mm. fairly routine, comfortable save for Martinez. And yeah, after that, they didn't they didn't threaten until very, very late on in the game. And um, and yeah, it was it was Villa then who sort of took control and really dominated the ball all the way through midfield. And I think that was a, sort of a key ingredient to sort of Villa's success on Saturday. Definitely was was the was was the way they were able to play through midfield and really get the likes of Kamara and Louise on the ball and John McGinn sort of back to his best kind of thing. And even Tielemans in that number ten role. I just I think the midfield mm-hmm. worked really well on Saturday. I thought it was uh, I thought it was perfect. And 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 usually I said to you during the game, usually when our midfield he's on form, Villa will usually win sort of thing um, because the midfield is, is really strong and I think it showed in the possession stats again, didn't it? It was touching 70% again, the possession, and so just kind of shows how, how much how much domination Villa had of the game, really. Yeah, it was really dominant and I was quite encouraged when um, team news came out because I think going into the game, we were expecting Konza to come back in, probably because Leon Bailey had to start and we know that Bailey and Cash uh, rarely start together. I think seeing Carlos back in there next to Longley, Konza shifting out to right back and Bailey starting, that was definitely encouraging as well. Just to freshen up a little bit as well. A lot of people have slammed Diaby in recent weeks. Me, not so much. Like, yeah, has he been has he been slow? But I think that's down to, to Leon Bailey's form and obviously him being the star man at the moment and, and that's what wingers do. They're in and out, aren't they? Um, but I think in terms of those changes it kind of had to happen didn't it yeah I think we all we all guessed that obviously Leon Bailey's been the man in form hasn't he and um, obviously he's given you know he's given Diaby starts because Bailey's obviously been struggling with his back as well the recent weeks and so um, been maybe trying to play Diaby into form a little bit and he's struggled a little bit but as you say wingers sort of go in and out of form and I think you only look at you only look at Bailey from a couple of seasons ago, even last season when people were really mm. sort of on his back and, you know, didn't think he was good enough. And now he's one of our sort of key players. So patience is, patience is key, really, with these types of players. And uh, and that's what Diaby will definitely get. But yeah, in terms of the, the team selection, yeah, I think it was, I think it was, um, it was quite predictable what we were going to do. Obviously, we brought Carlos back into centre half and uh, he was very, very solid. He sort of settled down, hasn't he, Carlos, a little bit from, from, from yeah. those sort of, you know, sort of October, November period when felt like he was a little bit jittery and he was giving the ball away, and so I feel like he settled down a lot recently. To be fair to him, and and that's probably and that probably just comes with playing football. To be fair, I think at the the beginning of the season, or during pre-season when we were in America last year, I was I was worried that Carlos wasn't going to get the game time. I said to you, didn't I? Mm. At, that, at that point, Mings wasn't injured, and uh, I think I said at the time, I'm, I'm worried because if he's going to get back to any sort of form, which 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 we know he can do, he's got to be playing. He's got to be playing football, and I didn't think he was going to get that. And I and I think we're sort of reaping the rewards of Carlos now having sort of consistent runs in the team. So I thought he was. I thought he was really really solid and really comfortable all game. And and yeah, Conze is sort of at the moment he's kind of making that right back position his own isn't he and obviously Cash hasn't been in mm. amazing form um, and so you know Conza's even though we know even though really we'd, we'd all like prefer him probably to be at centre half but at the moment it just does feel that we're a lot more solid when he is playing at right back so yeah I thought he got it spot on and then obviously the other difference was Bailey was on on the sort of wing and Tielemans kind of played in that number 10 role didn't they um, mm. which I actually think, think really suits Tielemans I think when he's a little bit yeah. deeper or out on the wing I think sometimes his lack of pace can hinder him a little bit um, but I think when he's in that number 10 role he's got that vision as he's able to thread balls through for Ollie Watkins and he just sees he, he just sees those 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 passes that are on doesn't he and, I, and again I thought he was uh, I thought he was really good as well so yeah team selection was absolutely spot on 
Yeah, hundred percent. We talked last week on on last week's podcast after the Newcastle game that sort of Moreno looks quite isolated when we were attacking on that left hand side. It's nice to see sort of Tielemans not have to sort of do that job and be that sort of shadow striker to, to Wally Watkins. That was that was really nice. And I thought Tielemans was excellent. On Esri Cons as well. I just hope he's not injured. I think in the second half we had a chance to make it six, didn't we? And I think was he sliding in at the back post and he, his legs sort of collide with the post. So I'm hoping that it's a sort of impact injury and he's not pulled anything or twisted anything. Um, and it's just I mean it was probably a little bit of precaution as well I mean we're 5-0 up but he doesn't need to stay on the pitch um, and he was moving okay when he was walking off and it's the last thing we need obviously with Pau Torres still out as well so I'm hoping that that Ezri Konza one isn't as bad as it maybe could have been Yeah and I think Emery said after the game that he, he didn't seem too worried did he Emery and I think um, as you say it was a bit precautionary and um it was it was an imp- it was going to be you know it was an impact injury it probably hurt it probably hurt quite a lot and he's probably still hurting yeah. today to be fair but I don't think it'll cause any real like, lasting damage I, I think there were some rumours around he went for a scan today but I think that's just sort of normal isn't it? it's precautionary if you're going to get a whack like that um, you, you know you're a football club's always going to send you for a scan anyway, just to rule anything mm. anything in or out. So I'm not worried about that. I think I'd expect maybe him to sit out a Wednesday's game against Chelsea, but I wouldn't see him being out further than that, to be honest. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, we end up having players out for two, three months at a time with innocuous injuries. So <laughs> let's just hope it doesn't prove the case with Konza because obviously he's such an important important player for us. But yeah, I think I think he'll be okay, Touchwood. Yeah, you alluded to it there. We were, we were having breakfast on Saturday morning talking about what's going on with Torres. Literally, so we don't really know anything. Like His last game was, what, Brentford away? Uh, sort of middle of December. It's just like a month and a half. It's probably going to be pushing two months by the time he comes back. Two months? Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's going on with Torres? It's frustrating, isn't it? And I know it, it was nice to get a win without Torres because obviously we... We hadn't done that. I know he came on in that Burnley game, but again, he was out straight after that. So it's a frustrating one, that is. I know we shouldn't really rely on a one player, and if we are, that's not a good sign, but he's that good. It's it's just frustrating at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it's been frustrating because he's obviously come back twice as well, and we've had to sort of slow mm. slow down his rehabilitation again because he's felt felt pain again. And so we have missed him definitely. And I think, you know, if it coincides with us not having a great run, fans obviously clamour for him to come back and adds a bit of pressure onto his shoulders really doesn't it? everyone expects him to come back and be like the best defender in the world sort of thing yeah. and, uh, <laughs> but no we have missed him it'd be good to get him back it sounds like he was going to start full training again this week so maybe in the next couple of weeks you might see him back out there um, I hope so anyway because uh, he's a he's a key player for us and yeah let's just hope Let's just hope Konza isn't injured because I think you know what team what team has the three best centre halves that injured. You know it would be imagine yeah. Mings, Torres and uh, Konza all at one all at one go. That'd be absolutely mad, wouldn't it? So yeah, hopefully Konza's all right and hopefully yeah we can get power back any time now. Getting that early goal was was really crucial, wasn't it? And of course you missed it. We talked about those beers that we were having all day. They were most certainly flowing. And what twelve minutes into the game and you were like, I need a way, I need a way. Now I think where did you get? Were you actually in the toilet? Oh yeah, you were, weren't yeah. you? Because you thought they'd scored. You're in the toilets, you come back and you thought, I thought they'd scored. So uh, luckily not. Unfortunate to miss that one, mate. Yeah, it's quite rare for me. I don't normally miss a minute's action during a game. I, <laughs> I, I usually hold on to it to the very last minute, but I was absolutely desperate for the toilet. So I uh, the steel. But yeah, but do you know what though? I was really disappointed because I thought I timed it perfectly because I really waited until <laughs> we weren't in possession of the ball. I waited until they had a goal kick and I thought, right, we're not gonna we're not gonna score now within the next forty seconds, are we? Um so <laughs> I thought, right, let's go to the toilet now. And then literally as I was standing at the urinal. Uh, I heard like a massive roar, but it was really like really loud though. Like the 
whole stadium had erupted. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they scored, haven't they? Well, I was, and then I came out literally, what, like, 10 seconds after hearing it. And then, like, I sort of came out, you know, and I was sort of, like, adjacent to where, like, the stairs are back up towards the mm. back up towards the seats. And I could see the home stand on the right-hand side. But everyone was just sitting down, looking all miserable. And I thought, oh, Villa must have scored, actually, there. Um, so, yeah, I was quite I was quite pleasantly surprised when I came back up. And, you know, it's always the way. There isn't it? I think the last time I needed a toilet in a football stadium was when... Uh, Villa played Leicester away last season. I missed that Ollie Watkins one, yes. if you remember as well. Yeah. Um, so clearly, the, <laughs> clearly the rule is if Villa need a goal, then I just need to disappear to the toilet, and it usually usually happens. So maybe I'll start doing that a little bit more. Honestly, it happens to me all the time when I'm watching football at home and I go to the toilet or do something else at home. It's absolutely ridiculous. The team always scores. Yeah. It's so frustrating. I think you were still watching that first goal back on your phone because you get mad service wherever we go. And you're watching that first goal back on Twitter. And we make it 2-0. I think, what, were there sort of three minutes between the first and second goal? I think this second goal is is my favourite. Obviously, everyone has been waxing lyrical about the Louise pass. And it is an absolute joke. I mean... All the, I mean, I can't remember how many tweets I've seen, but if Kevin De Bruyne played that pass, the media would be going on about it. I don't care. Let it go under the radar. I think match of the day covered it for about three seconds, but I don't care. The less sort of limelight on a player like Douglas Luiz, the better. But it was an absolutely ridiculous goal and the rate in which we moved the ball forward. I think Watkins said in his post-match um, interview that he didn't believe the sort of space he was getting because obviously Sheffield United play five at the back. He couldn't believe the space he was getting in the sort of first and second goal in terms of, um, the positions we got in were fairly similar. Watkins running through. He was unlucky with the first one, but that second one, it's a great, great goal, isn't it? Oh, it's a ridiculous goal. And I think I think it summed up Villa's tactics all night, though, and why we sort of got things spot on. Because I think I've said numerous times, really, that this season especially, you know, Villa's tactics has been very much, you know, slow build-up play out of defence and into midfield. But then once we break through into that final third, really become aggressive and really like go for the jugular kind of thing. And I think yeah. over the last six weeks, that's been missing a little bit from Villa's play, to be honest. Yeah. So on Saturday night, it was back in full force, wasn't it? And and um, and, and, a, and a few of the goals came from that, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, that pass from Louise was an absolute joke, wasn't it? It was, it was absolutely incredible from the outside of the boot. I mean, you try that nine times out of ten, you don't get it right, do you? But Louise mm. just just absolutely pinpointed it and it was just it was yeah it was absolutely perfect wasn't it and the thing was as well though it was Louise's ball for the first goal as well though that sent what that sent yeah, yeah. for um and that that's the thing it was his second in as many in as many minutes really and uh yeah it was it was a great ball and then just a brilliant finish from Watkins again and when he when he's in that type of form you just feel like he's going to score don't you you just he's just, he's he's one of them players he's one of them players that well, people will criticise him for being a bit of a, a purple patchy type of player, but I don't think it's even that for me. I think it's that when he when he goes on when he goes into one of these so called purple patches, he becomes yeah. like literally unplayable. Though it's not like he just like <laughs> it's not like he literally just scores a few goals. Like he becomes like absolutely unplayable for defenses, and that's what he was. He was unbelievable the other night. His build up play, his finishing, his assists as well. He was just incredible and yeah that was uh one of my favorite villa goals for a long time that one yeah definitely he just sets the bar so high doesn't he sets that bar so high and people sort of expect it all the time but if he did that he wouldn't be playing for villa he'd be at bloody real madrid honestly he's absolutely unbelievable and the celebration was class as well went to the corner flag and he was just sort of laughing at the home fans when he that was absolutely top class did you catch a uh, emery celebration as well he went absolutely ballistic he was loving it it's so good to see that is. yeah because that's exactly the type of goal that emery wants isn't it he wants that yes. he wants that control through the team he wants you to be able to play out from the back and your central midfielder take the ball on and uh, pick somebody out like that and really then go for the juggler in the final third. It was it was a goal which really epitomised 
Emery's tactics really, and so that's probably why he was so so buzzing about it. And and at two nil, really, it already becomes only after a few minutes, and yet two nil, really, it kind of becomes game over, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. It felt game over at that point. Sheffield United heads were absolutely down. They were they were really slacking, and it felt like. We were sharp again. Louise, yeah. Tielemans, Bailey, Watkins, the interplay. It felt like all the players on the same wavelength. And we talked about that last week. I'll keep going back to last week because they're absolute polar opposites in terms of what we saw at the weekend. And I alluded to that, that Arsenal goal where everyone was on the same wavelength. Everyone knew where each other was going to be. And especially sort of Louise and Watkins, you felt... That obviously that was the same combination for the first and second goals. It just felt like we were back to our best. And a lot of people have said it's only Sheffield United and sort of in the YouTube comments to my video that the celebration police are out in force. And it just felt like I don't care. Like if, if we if we'd beaten them one nil and we really struggled and we scored by a penalty, even at that point, I probably wouldn't care. But I think you beat any side in the Premier League in that manner. And I don't think the argument of it's only Sheffield United is valid, really. Obviously, yes, we wouldn't be able to do that to Man City, but you can only beat what's in front of you, as everybody loves to say. So I, I, I really dislike that it's only Sheffield United. So it just it means nothing, though, does it? It means absolutely nothing. These teams are in the Premier League because they've earned the right to be there. You know, they've, Does they, it mean it doesn't count? It doesn't not, make any sense. Of course not. The thing is, you say it wouldn't happen against Man City. Well, to be honest with you, at Villa Park. To be fair, it is. <laughs> at Villa Park, it should have happened against Man City. That yeah. that game genuinely should have been 3 or 4-0 that night. So <laughs> so that that's the thing. Like, I hate all this. I hate people. Oh, it's only Sheffield United. It's like, well, yeah, but we've got to play them all. And if you remember back in December, Sheffield United came to our place and very, yeah. very, very almost won. If it hadn't been for Zaniolo's mm-hmm. last-ditch uh, header, they would have won the game. And so, you know, excuse excuse fans for uh, celebrating or celebrating nice sort of goals or, or, or moves through the team. That's absolutely bizarre. What a bizarre take, that is. Just, just, just perfect. I just thought the speed we were moving the ball was just... Uh, excellent. Mm. We were just right on it, weren't we? Yeah, from one end to the other, the speed was was brilliant. And we talked about it pre-match. Top four teams, if you've got any aspiration, any seriousness about playing in the Champions League next season, teams will go there and win. You're not going to struggle and do what we did at Villa Park. You can't afford to do that on too many occasions. So we acted like a top four team. We played like a top four team. And we got the job done. And uh, talking about celebration police, just a side note, what did you make of Erdegaard's celebration sort of after the game against uh, Liverpool, the, the sort of camera stuff? Did you see that? I did see. Um, I've I've got a couple I've got a couple of thoughts really probably on both sides of the camp like I think Carrigan moans because it was purely Liverpool to be honest with you he's he's all annoyed about that but I would have to say though Arsenal are the worst defenders for it though the absolute (laughs) worst defenders Arteta is really irritating with it like I absolutely hate Arteta I think he's just I think he's the. I think he's just awful. Um, and then, and then yeah, the player they just milk it, don't they? But then they get all angry when like other teams do, do that though as well. That's what mm. makes me laugh with Arsenal. So yeah, I, I see it from both sides. Obviously, Carragher was just angry because it was Liverpool. But yeah, like come on, like chill out. You haven't won the league. Like get back down the tunnel. Like come on, there's another win towards another win towards your goal. But let's not go mad, you know. Like you didn't see Villa doing that against the uh, Man City or Arsenal when we won, did, did, did you? It was like players went down to the Holton, clapped the supporters, took the took the adulation, and then went back down the tunnel because they knew it was sort of, sort of you know job done for this afternoon or tonight. And now we need to move on to the next game. You know, like, it's a little bit embarrassing, isn't it? It is. And Emery's really good at it, to be fair. Like, as soon as any game is done, he's got his game face on and he's straight down the tunnel. Obviously, that's just his personality. And if Arteta's got that sort of more out there personality, I get that. But it is so far either way with Arsenal, isn't it? Like you said, when they lose, I remember the um, the Newcastle game at St. James's Park when Newcastle beat them and they 
I think there was a few rumours about them writing to whoever, and they've done it recently as well, about writing to God knows who about certain things. But it's so far either way, isn't it? And he's he's, he's so miserable when Arsenal lose. It was brilliant, the the recent sort of Arsenal struggles and his post-match interviews, blaming everybody else and being rude to sort of uh, interviewers and stuff like that. It's bizarre with Arsenal. But I'm not one for celebrate, uh, policing celebrations. Honestly, I couldn't care less. I just think with with Arsenal, it's, uh, it's a bit wild, isn't it? Yeah, I just think show a little bit of humility, though. I just, you know, like, just you've won the game like it's not like you've it's not like it's like a like a non-league side who've gone to gone to a massive premier league side and won in the fa cup it's like come on show a bit of humility you know you're one of the top sides in the league you don't need to be doing that i mean i look back to last season when we lost at home to them 4-2 and that was absolutely heartbreaking because we played well that day and yet i remember the celebrations that day like how they all spilled onto the pitch to the bench when they scored and um and, and i think it angered quite a few people and that was the game when uh, I think a couple of Villa's data analysts got into a little bit of like a some kind of scuffle, didn't they? Not like the press, not like the press area where they were watching with with some of the Arsenal staff because they were doing it in there. And I remember at the end of that game, it was like the, the players were acting like they won the league kind of thing. And I just think it's a bit embarrassing. I think it's a bit embarrassing for a team that hasn't won anything major for absolute years. I just, I just yeah. think it's kind of like, come on, like just show a little bit of humility. We're in February. It's not like you've won the league. Just. And you've been rubbish the last few weeks too. It's like, okay, you've won, <laughs> you've won the last three, but before that, you've you only won what one in the last five or six. So I just think we'd just be real about it. And I, that's what I like about Emery. He's just level-headed. He's like, right, we've got another game to focus on now, literally only in a few days' time. So let's just let's just get that one. Well, let's put that to bed now. We'll analyse what we did well. We'll analyse what, we what we didn't do so well. And we'll just move on. Yeah, I, th- I just think Arteta is a bit of a knob. He did that thing, didn't he, last year at, at Villa Park when he was mocking the referee, when the referee said the ball was rolling from a free kick and doing mm, that sort of action. Yeah. Arteta was mocking it and he just makes you look like a, a bit of a child, really, a bit of a toddler. I think that's what he is. He's got a bit of a toddler syndrome, hasn't he, Arteta? Uh, but we'll move on from that now then. Talk about the third goal. And I think this is one that I probably celebrated the most. It's the Leon Bailey goal. And, oh, mate, the form he's in at the moment, he moves so, so well. You know he's probably going to cut in on that left foot but it's hard to stop. I think he had a, a similar chance earlier on in the game where he sort of opened up too much and he didn't get enough bend on it and it went past the post, but he's such a joy to watch at the moment. And this is the sort of player that was sort of there it by Leverkusen and the player that Villa thought they, they were going to get from the off. And it's taken a bit of time to get there, but it looks like it's been worth the wait. That goal, was he just looked like it was done with so much ease. An absolute joy to watch Leon Bailey at the moment. And t- I'll tell you what's good as well, in the news today, it looks like he's getting a new contract. Can't complain with that, can we? Yeah, he's, he's absolutely electric at the moment, Bailey, and he's been he's been really he's been really consistent to be honest with you now for quite a long time. I mean, mm. if you remember towards the end of last season, I was talking about you know people were saying like oh you know I'm not sure about Bailey sort of thing, but I remember saying on this podcast towards the end of last season saying his his numbers are actually really up there like in terms of in terms of affecting games for goals and assists. Last season it was more so just at Villa Park, but I mean this mm. uh, this season he's kind of doing it. You know, do, do, doing it everywhere, and um, yeah, he's just really picked up his form, and he's becoming that player that we all, we we all, we all knew he could. And I think he just epitomised Villa's aggression and performance in that first half, especially that. I mean, that goal was just again, it was one of them really sort of easy on the eye goals, wasn't it? Tielemans wins the ball in the air, it flicks it down to Watkins. Watkins does just that really aggressive sort of run straight out to Bailey, and then just an absolute peach of a finish, cuts back in and and, and strikes it high into the corner. And yeah, it was an absolute. Perfect, perfect goal, and um, 
Yeah, Leon Bailey at the moment is just absolutely on fire. He's one of our best players, and uh, he, I said it on I said it on Saturday again. I said to, I said so I'm talking about I was talking about Bailey somebody on Saturday. I think it was the bloke next to me, and I said we've got to get him to sign a new contract ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the news breaks, uh, courtesy of his stepfather slash agent, um, that he's signing a <laughs> signing a new contract in the next few days, and that's and that's big for Villa because he's like I say he's one of Villa's key men and. Fair play to Bailey because his career could have gone a very different way, really. Especially, yeah, yeah. I think the change of manager certainly helped him. I think he even said, I think he's even said, didn't he, that he, I don't think he really got on with Gerard or what Gerard was trying to do. And it sounds like I, I'm sorry, an interview recently. I don't know whether it was with Bailey, whether it was with his stepdad again. I'm not really sure. It was one of them, um, and they were talking about how 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 he was unhappy under Gerard and how he, Gerard wasn't playing him. He didn't really understand how he played, etc. And then obviously Emery comes in, and uh, like Emery's done with a lot of players, he's just improved his fortune straight away. And uh, and yeah, like we say, he's, he's become consistent, hasn't he? That's the thing; he's become consistent, and that's the main thing for a winger to become consistent. It's not it's not easy, mm. and so for him to do that, he's he's, he's massive. And yeah, at the moment, he's uh, he's one of, he should be one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment, shouldn't he? But I like it; he's not you know he's not frustrated when we're having to rotate the side and we're playing in a slightly different way. He's, he just gets his head down and. Comes on, you know, like like on when like on Tuesday night against Newcastle when you know Villa were down and out. Yeah, he comes on, and I mean, you know, he, he, he was absolutely electric, wasn't he? And he almost got Villa back into the game that night. And so, and then for him to follow up with a performance like that on Saturday, he's just yeah, massive credit to him. He's he's just incredible at the moment. Yeah, it feels like he kind of understands his role now, and I think we know how to get the best out of him, and it's it's an absolute joy to see. And I think what he's got seven goals and six assists in twenty one Premier League appearances, three goals and four assists in the Conference League as well. He's having a, an absolutely unbelievable season, so all credit to him. And I think I was just saying then about how it was the one we probably celebrate the most. And I think it was sort of an element of relief that we were sort of picking Sheffield United apart with such ease and the home fans were leaving and that was after 20 minutes like we weren't just 3-0 up in the second half like this was still really early on in the game and we were just taking the mick so it was just it was incredible wasn't it seeing them home fans leaving they were obviously getting zoomed in on on, on Sky Sports and the commentators were talking about they don't think they're going for a half-time pint they're off home and you can't really blame them they were getting torn apart yeah I mean you can't really blame them can you when you're when you're down <laughs> yeah, when you're down and out <clears throat> by that much like so early in the half I mean writings on the wall it's just a miserable miserable afternoon isn't it really and uh yeah so, so I, I don't I don't blame them at all I mean I I, I wouldn't do it I, I would still be there without a doubt but now we talked about this last week didn't we about staying to the end but you can't blame them for that <laughs> no like, I, I, look I, I personally would still be there just because I think well I've I've taken my time out of my day anyway for this for this <laughs> I might as well stay here anyway but I don't I don't blame people for doing it to be fair but but yeah it was really it really was game over, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think my dad was telling me earlier about a, um, a Sheffield United vlog or someone who did similar things to me at Sheffield United, and he uh, went for some some chips or whatever after three 0 and he comes back and he's like, "Oh, four 0 So three 0 wasn't bad enough. Make it four 0 And three yeah. 0 I wasn't game wrapped up. Four 0 most certainly was. Still inside half an hour. I think maybe not my favourite goal but probably the most satisfying one because I love it when it hits the bar comes down hits the bar again Seelemans from a corner and he probably could have scored just before that but from the resulting corner an absolute rocket from him first goal for Villa we know Seelemans loves a banger it's nice to see him score one for Villa now first goal in the Premier League for us happy days yeah and he was really unlucky with that one just before it I've cleared off the line obviously mm. but he um, and that was a lovely corner routine by the way as well how he was, how he yeah, was yeah. just there on the back post on his own that was a great corner routine but yeah then he follows it up with 
an absolute rocket of a strike. And um, do you know what with Tielemans? Sometimes you get that feeling, don't you? You just get the feeling that he's going to score. Mm-hmm. And literally, as that ball went out to him, I just I knew that was going to be a goal. I, sh- I think I shouted yes before we'd even. You do that, oh mate. Tell people that is so funny. Yeah. Honestly, you are so susceptible for just before a goal goes in. You know when the whole crowd goes quiet, <laughs> you do this thing where you go yes. And it's it's so funny because it's when in that in that split second of silence, I think you did it randomly. I remember you doing it in Leipzig, the Courtney Hawes winner yeah. at Old Trafford as well. That's a brilliant one. Go and watch the video yeah. back from that if you haven't seen it. Because you do that thing. Yes. And then it goes in. Honestly, it's brilliant. <laughs> Chance to make it four. Yes. It's just that little intuition that you're going to get a chance out of it. And it was like, that was that split second. And it's like, like that ball just got to Tielemans. And I thought, this is going to be a goal, this is. Literally, I just, I fast-forwarded <laughs> in my head. Literally, I had probably only about a second and a half. And I thought, this is a goal. Um, and like, yeah, he absolutely, just, he, just, he just knew he was going to strike that really well. Mm. Um, and then it ended up in the back of the net. And so, yeah, you know what? I don't know. That that might be my favourite one of the game. You know, that guy. I don't know why. I don't really know why, but I just like strikes like that. I'm coming back off the crossbar. It's just, uh, yeah, I just love goals like that. And you know, what? I was really happy for Telemans as well. He, he had a little bit of a tough mm. start to life at Villa, but uh, you know, he worked hard. Then he got his injury. He was really unlucky, and he found himself obviously out of it because of his injury. So yeah, I was just really, really pleased for him. Um, and yeah, and what a goal it was. I think it's one of our favourite goals because it was just a belter. He just put his laces through it. He smashed it. And I know it wasn't from like 30 yards. I think it was just inside the box. But we we like to craft goals, don't we? We like to sort of, some not in a bad way, but pass the ball into the net in, in a sort of well-crafted, executed way. But it's nice to just think, right, sod this. I'm going to smash it. And you know what I liked as well? Obviously, four different scorers, but they all celebrated in the same corner. Mm. I mean, if you're a Sheffield United fan sat in that corner of the ground, honestly, you'd just be so fed up. But four, four different uh, scorers as well. That, that's nice to see. Sort of the, the front four, wasn't it? And that's it. And that's, to be fair, it's what Villa have been good at this season. They're sharing the, sharing the workload around the team, really. Everyone getting on the score sheet. And Villa, have, Villa have, I think, are one of the one of the you know most proficient teams in the Premier League to have done that in terms of different goal scorers. Um, and so, yeah, another, another five different scorers on the team sheet the other night. By that time, it was four. And, um, yeah, just really, really, really good to see. And obviously, all those attacking players on the score sheet too, Watkins, McGeehan, Bailey, Tielemans, all of our sort of attacking force in the first half kind of all got on the score sheet, mm. uh, which was really, really good to see. It just shows that you've had a really successful 45 minutes when that happens. Absolutely. And how about this? The first team to score four goals in the first 30 minutes of a Premier League away game since October 2011. Unai Emery's Aston Villa. It's not bad, that, is it? No, it's good. And that was, was that, che- that was Chelsea, wasn't it, the last time? Um, no, I'm not sure. I think it was, I think it was Chelsea. I can't remember who it was against, but um, I think it was Chelsea. It wasn't against Villa, I don't think. Unless, unless I've got that wrong, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I think no, I don't think Villa have tweeted. I don't think Villa would have tweeted. It I think it, us, I think it was definitely Chelsea. I'm not sure who it was against, but yeah, yeah, not a not a bad record to have, and we and we love breaking these type of records, don't we? Like it feels like when whenever we're in form, Unai Emery just sort of smashes another one yeah. out of the ballpark, doesn't he? Breaks some other yeah. kind of record, so. Yeah, long mate, continue. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And you said to me after the um, after the game back on the coach, is that the biggest away win you've seen? And it probably is. I think the last, the biggest one before that for Villa was six 0 away at Derby mm. in two thousand and eight. Yeah. And I was sort of thinking, so what what big ones have I seen? Obviously five one away at Norwich, where I think Wesley got a couple of goals and he missed a penalty in that game as well. Weirdly, I think I might have seen a couple of four nils potentially. I can't quite pinpoint what they are, but I think five nil. Obviously, 
obviously with it not being in the championship days as, as well, being in the Premier League, one of the best away performances I've seen following the Villa. Not bad. Yeah, it was just accomplished. The whole performance is accomplished and... Um... Yeah, we weren't in much danger the whole game, really. And uh, yeah, I think to go in at four nil. I think when we, when we went in at four nil, we were just kind of like, all we want now from the second half is to see a goal in front of the away end. That's all we. Yeah. That's all we kind of wanted. We just didn't want us to shut up shop and just go home happy with the four nil. Even though, even though that would have been absolutely fine, and that would have been what a lot of teams would have done at that moment. To be fair, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we, as the second half started, we, we we carried on, didn't we? Really? Yeah, it's weird to see. A, I mean, like you said, sometimes when it's four 0 at half time, like we saw it against Derby in the Championship at Villa Park, that the the first game of our ten game run, like when you've blasted a team away in the first half, you get into that dressing room, and the, I imagine the manager's like, right, let's just settle down, foot off the gas, don't do anything stupid, keep a clean sheet, and just make sure you don't get injured, that sort of thing. But it's it's weird to see straight out within ninety seconds score another one, and that, like you said, we just wanted to see a goal in front of us, and we got our wish so quickly didn't we with a another Watkins assist another goal involvement and it's Moreno at the back stick which is uh, becoming a little bit of a trademark obviously he must be taking lessons off uh, Trezeguet arriving at the back post and it was a wonderful finish absolutely smashed it in and he had a lot of time to watch it come over and he smashed it in happy days 5-0 yeah not great defending from uh, from from a Sheffield United point of view, obviously Bailey sort of won it back, didn't he? And it flipped back to Ollie Watkins, and it was a it was a nice ball back to the back post. He knew Moreno was going to be there, and yeah, absolute uh, absolute brilliant volley, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, he, he's doing all right on the goal front, Moreno. Really, seems as though he didn't play any football yeah. until very end of November or whenever it was, or it was sometime in November. He's not doing bad on the goal front, is he? No, I like it when Moreno scores as well because you can tell he absolutely loves it. And the passion he showed when he scored that, he was sort of slid right in front of the away end. He was blowing kisses. He just, you can just tell he loves it when he scored. So I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and yeah, he's, he, he just shows, I think with Moreno, he just shows loads of passion, doesn't he? He just loves it. He, mm. And I think for him as well, like he got, if you think back, it was only a year ago when he got his big move to Villa kind of thing. And, I think at the time everyone was a little bit surprised. Everyone thought, "Well, we don't know if we need a left back. We got you know Luca Dean and uh, and I, and you know with his injuries, but he settled in really quickly. And then obviously he got his injury and he was out for a long time. He's had to battle back sort of thing and take his chance again. But uh, I like Moraine. I just think he's sort of heart on his sleeve and what you see is what you get. And uh, yeah, I I really like having him around. I think him and I mean him and Luca Dean have just have just been brilliant sort of together really you know you you use yeah. Dean in certain games and you use Alex Moreno in certain games they suit the two different players and I think that's what I like about Emery's system really it's just that rotation that, that we've got I mean, we can rotate between players but yeah happy for Moreno I, I, I really like how he, how he plays the game yeah yeah, 100%. And uh, Ollie Watkins with another assist there and a stat for you. Ollie Watkins with 11 goals and 10 assists is the first player to reach double figures for both goals and assists in the Premier League this season. And the first player to achieve this for Aston Villa in a top flight campaign since Dwight York in 95-96. That's ridiculous. He's, he's got the most assists in the whole of the Premier League now ahead of Salah and San and all of these names. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think I saw a stat that was thrown out there last week about Isaac's goal from, from Newcastle and he hasn't got any assists, I don't think, this season or maybe one, maybe two. But to get 10 assists as well as 11 goals, it's ridiculous. That man can do anything. And it's not just a purple patch. He's, he's genuinely that good all the time. He's he's fabulous and he's so good to watch. It's absolute insane stat, I think, to be honest. And I think you look at... You look at the. Pre- I was looking at the Premier League goal scorers chart, and um, you think about how like well, like Dominic Solanke's done for Bournemouth this season. Um, mm. He's got, he's got thirteen Premier League goals, which is brilliant. But then his assist, he's only got one assist, 
which kind of shows you like that that assist rate that Ollie Watkins has got is absolutely mad. And I think I'll tell you why that's mad as well is because he openly talks about this that his game has really changed since Unai Emery came in as well. Like if those were the stats kind of like under and Emery or Gerard in terms of the assists, there wouldn't have been that sort of surprise because he was that type of player when he was you know, dropping deep and um, make, mm. making things happen for other players as well. But Emery's kind of coached that into him now to be that sort of player that, you know, you don't get chasing lost causes. You know, you keep your, you keep your energy. You're keeping that sort of six-yard box and trying to get on the end of crosses and, and, uh, and passes. And, uh, and yet even when he's doing that, and that's, that's shown he is doing that because of how many goals he's scoring, but even when he's doing that, he's also incre- increased his assist rate as well, which is absolutely bonkers, I think. But, um, yeah, he's he's absolutely on fire, Ali Watkins. And I think when you look at when you look at players to take to, to, to the Euros, you know, England have got England have got quite a lot of options. Obviously Harry Kane's the number one and he, and he will be, but you know, you look at the other options and they have got options now, England have you look at the likes of mm. um look at the likes of uh, obviously Ivan Tony now back for Brentford, you look at Solanke scoring goals, um Cole Palmer as well. Yeah, as Cole too. Palmer, you even look at like Wilson if he was fit for Newcastle and stuff. But um, but Ollie Watts, surely Ollie Watkins is the second in command. He's he's yeah. just got to be, hasn't he? He's, his season this season has been absolutely unbelievable, and I'm fully convinced. Fully, and now he's got this. Now he's signed this new contract this season. I'm fully convinced he'll go on to be Villa's record Premier League goal scorer. He'll, he'll overtake that that record from Gabby. I'm sure he will. He's he's not that far away if you actually have a look at it. And and the form he's in. I, I think he'll comfortably get there, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. That would be so, so nice. And I think he'd he deserve it as well. Hopefully he gets there. Um, obviously, after that fifth goal, we sort of t- took our foot off the gas and I, I just don't think we wanted any injuries, did we? Obviously, with a, a midweek game coming up against Chelsea, just just keep it tight and just take your foot off the gas a little bit. And I think that was a nice use of subs as well. Uh, Louise obviously went off at half-time. Bailey went off um, in the end. McGinn went off. Tielemans went off. Conjure as well. Obviously, that was probably down to the injury. But it's nice to see that our big guns eventually went off at some point in the game. Yeah, we again we conserved energy quite well, and that's something we've been doing most of the season. To be fair, I've talked about that a lot in the Conference League games about how players haven't had to really exert themselves too much, and we've been able to make substitutions at the right time, and that's exactly what we did the other night. And it was nice to see the likes of like Tim Robinham come on. He suffered with his injuries mm. as well, and it was nice for him to come on. And and we you know we gave Louise a rest. He'd been sick before the game on Saturday, so. Nice to give him a rest as well. Um, and then, obviously, Morgan Rogers came on as well. And we didn't see much of him. He was only on for, what, nine, ten minutes or so. But um, he, he, I thought he was going to score, actually. I thought that one where... He had a chance. Yeah, that one where it was pulled <laughs> back to him. And he made a lovely, lovely late run into the box. And I think he yeah. kind of shows what he's about. He's obviously an intelligent sort of number 10 type of footballer. Um, and he made that sort of clever run into the box. And he just obviously... You probably saw his name in lights, didn't they? And, uh, mm. and obviously ballooned it. But uh, that was a... That was a nice little cameo, what what he's potentially able to do, sort of thing. That little run into the box was, was really nice, to be fair. So, yeah, nice, good use of the subs. Um, and, yeah, really, like I say, really conserved that energy. Villa didn't really get out of first gear, did they, the whole game? And that's what yeah. was so nice to say. Yeah, I think on Rodgers, he, he said in an interview just when he, when he came to Villa about how he was sort of just given that freedom at Middlesbrough just to kind of do what he wants. And, yeah, it was frustrating he didn't get that goal. And it's annoying that he can't play in the Chelsea game midweek, actually, because you feel like he... he potentially would have started or, or definitely got some minutes in that game but obviously he's cup tied after well he played against Dustin in the FA Cup yeah. so he can't play which is, is is a little bit of a frustrating one but it's nice that we 
they've got that different profile and option coming off the bench obviously we talked about already he's six foot three he can play sort of anywhere across the front three and with Zaniolo not hitting the form that we'd all kind of like and obviously him being injured Duran obviously injured for however long it's nice to have that different option isn't it yeah it's important I thought it was important to do something in January in terms of attacking reinforcements and um, maybe it's not the signing everybody expected you know maybe you know we're signing a a young sort of up-and-coming player from the Championship wasn't exactly what everybody thought was going to happen. But I do think it was important to get somebody in. And I and I don't, I don't feel, you know, I'm not expecting Rodgers to absolutely hit the ground running and be incredible. I'm, I'm not. No. I think he's one for the future, definitely. But it's nice to have a different profile. And I think him playing alongside better players, though, him playing alongside the likes of Watkins, Bailey, Jacob Ramsey, Louise, and stuff, that'll only enhance his game anyway. And so he'll be sort of fast-tracked into into. You know, I think I think you know, I think he'll be fast tracked into 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 playing a fair bit, whether that's off the bench or not. I think he'll see plenty of minutes, to be honest. Sevilla so back into the top four in style, then five different scorers, and it was it was nice to see minutes for Rogers, full half for Ramsey. Uh, obviously, a clean sheet just about after that disallowed uh, Sheffield United goal at the end. And this sort of sets us up really nicely, doesn't it? I think we're we, what we're two points ahead of Tottenham now. Um, everybody's played twenty three games apart from Man City, who are playing as we speak when we're recording this podcast. But I think the aim now is it, it's got to be top four. And I think keep that's why United game is so big because you've got to keep them at arm's length. Like we've said, they're in decent form. They're on 38 points at the moment, eight points behind us. But it sort of feels like uh, eventually it's probably going to be Villa versus Tottenham for that final fourth spot, do you reckon? I think so. And I think um, and I think the, ma- the match against Man United is really, really big because I kind of feel like if you if you get that lead to whatever, eight points, whatever. I think that's a huge lead, mm. I do. I, I genuinely do. And the fact is, is that, what you know, say say there's 15 games left. Say Villa won, I don't know, say Villa won nine out of 15, which would be really, really good. Can you, Man United would then have to win, what, like 12, something like that out of 15? And can you... So they, if, if, if they win, they come within uh, five points of Villa. If we win, we go... Uh, Eleven points of them, so it's it's your classic six pointer, really. Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. I just think it's a really a really big game for Villa because I think they can they can then. I'm not saying we close right closing it right this minute, but I feel like mm. if you keep this form up for the next few weeks, if you can ground some victories out of the next few weeks, and I don't know, say out of your next six games, win the next, I don't know, say win four out of the next six or something, I think it really puts you in sort of pole position to definitely you know get that sort of top five and. I think they're saying at the moment there's about a seventy odd percent chance that England's going to get the the fifth Champions League space, and so top five has to be our aim, I think, and I, and I think we'll be in a battle with Spurs for it. I do think it'll be between us and Spurs, um, and I think that'll be close. I think I think we we kind of similar in some ways, Villa and Spurs. I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much in it. I think I think as a team, I think Villa are the better team to be honest. I think Spurs have probably individually got the more sort of standout players, if you like, with like Madison and with mm. uh, Son. But I, I think as a, I think as a team, I think as a collective, Villa are probably a better team. And I think when you watch Spurs play, I think attacking wise under Ange, um, you know, I think I think you've, you you have got to give credit to them because they do go sort of full throttle. But I was watching Spurs against Brentford last week. They were quite lucky to win that game in the end because they give up a lot of chances, Spurs do. And that's because of how they attack. They leave a lot of gaps at the back as well. Um, and again, I think that showed against Everton, they've got weaknesses. You know, Everton just targeted Vicario, the goalkeeper. And I know Pastor Cogley wasn't mm. too happy with that. But 
one is a tactic that works. So what can we say? But yeah, so I think Spurs have got the weaknesses. I think they're they're a good side. I don't think there's a massive amount between us, but um, mm-hmm. it, it'll be an interesting interesting kind of battle. But what I'm trying to say is, I don't think Spurs will be perfect until the end of the season. Is what I'm trying to say. And so if Villa can maintain a decent level of consistency, I think we'll have a, a good chance at sort of overcoming them into that into that fourth position. And remember, we've got Spurs to play at Villa Park as well, which is absolutely huge. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing for it. Look, we're back on track, and um, and yeah, it's exactly what we needed ahead of a really really important week. I think it's a good point, actually. I think, like you said, I think Tottenham are good, and I think they've got a lot of players in form. Obviously, Madison was was bang on it just before he got his injury. It's probably going to take him a couple of weeks to get back to where he was. I just think Villa are, are slightly further along where they want to be than Tottenham. Obviously, Emery's been in for nearly a year longer than Impostacoglu, and I think. I think as a collective, we are probably a better side than them. Like you said, they probably have got some better individuals mm. that would get in our team. But I think in terms of where we are on our, I hate this, but our journey, we probably are a little bit further along than Tottenham. And hopefully that can that can be the turning point because it is so close between the two sides. And I think that, that, that win at the weekend was massive for goal difference as well. I think Villa are on 19 now, Tottenham are on 14. So it is really, really close between the two sides, both scoring 49 goals. Um, Tottenham have conceded 35, we conceded 30. So it was nice to get that sort of goal difference um, up a little bit compared to them. And our goal difference compared to Man United, I'm just looking at it here, they've got minus one. We're on 19, so we're 20 ahead of them. So it's nice normally because normally Villa are so far behind in terms of goal difference to the sort of sides around us. It's weird, um, but it's nice to see ahead of them and it's sort of that can be a turning point if it was to go down to sort of same points yeah and I think when you say that Villa are slightly further ahead than Spurs in their sort of journey I'd agree with that and I think it's because you know Villa have taken a bit of a patient and, con- uh, and consistent approach into building their team haven't they it's been kind of sort of minor surgery over the last couple of years so yeah. I think we haven't gone wild and signed you know, eight, nine, ten players in the same summer kind of thing. It's been very sort of minor surgery, especially since Emery's come in. I mean, everyone, I think probably everyone expected Villa to go absolutely mad since Emery's come in. But if you look at his net yeah. spend at Villa, Emery, it's about seventy million or so, which is which is hardly anything in this day and age, really. And um, and so yeah, it's been like I say, it's been buying those couple of players like every window sort of thing, which is going to help you. And um, like everyone was surprised last January, weren't they, when we only really signed Moreno? Um, and everyone thought we'd, we'd mm. push the boat out more. You know, we we're in a race for Europe. Everyone thought, oh, surely they'll buy more. But yeah, so it's been a quite of a bit more of a slower sort of approach with Villa, a bit more of a, more of a patient approach. And you know, we've got players within our team that've been there for quite some time. The likes of Watkins, Martinez, you know, Cash, Conza, Mings, if he was fit, Wendy, if he was fit, etc. And so yeah, I think that's key as well. But I think yeah, I think it'd be really interesting. I think um, two very different sides, two very different managers in Villa and Spurs, and um, yeah, I think it would be uh, really interesting to the end of the season. But it kind of shows you the relentlessness of the Premier League, though. It's like, you know, for a long time we thought Spurs were going to be winning at Everton. And we were like, oh, God, we've got to win today now. And this is what it is, you see. You've got you've to just keep churning out the victories. And I suppose that there's there's a small margin for error. You know, it's not like you're... Not like one defeat or one draw and it takes you out of the equation. There's a, there, is, there is margin for error as well. Of course there is. But... um. You've still got to be pretty consistent. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be really, really interesting into the season. But I think, um, I just think looking at the players that are going to be coming back as well will really stand Villa in good stead. I think if we can get mm-hmm. Harry Torres and Luca Dean back in the next few weeks, and I just, you look at them too, and 
even though they're both defenders, they've both got their upsides in terms of attacking play as well. Though, like we've seen how good Luca Dean's been on the assists and the crosses this season, mm. um, he really had something. And then, obviously, we all know about how Paratorius plays and how that sort of impacts on us going forward as well. And so, yeah, I'm, I think they're them two are sort of closing in on their returns as well. And so, I think get them two back. I mean, it's looking really strong. And so, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just buzzing for it. I just can't wait for the next game all the time now. To be honest. Yeah, it's good fun. And I'm looking at that game, Villa versus Tottenham on the 9th of March. Have TV fixtures come out for March? Because the week before, Luton away has been moved. So will that stay at 3 o'clock? No, they've 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 now come out today, the, the TV fixtures. Have they? Yeah, they have. They've come out today. So we've got Spurs. Spurs have been moved to the Sunday because we it would it would have been moved anyway because we were in the Europa Conference League on the Thursday night. Uh, but it has been picked for TV anyway. It's 1 o'clock on the Sunday now, Sunday the 10th of March. 1 o'clock? Yeah, Ooh. 1 o'clock. I'm assuming they might have like three games or something that day. I don't know. something. It's something yeah. like that. So yeah, that's on the that's on the Sunday, and then we've had a we've had another couple of fixture changes as well. Wolves at home on Easter Saturday. That's staying on the Saturday, but it's a half five kick off for TV. Ooh, um, tasty. And also, shock uh, away game at West Ham also has also been moved to the Sunday for two uh, at two o'clock. But that's because of um, again, that's because of Europa Conference League. Although that depends on if Villa progress in the FA Cup, because if we do, that game will be postponed. So. Because it will be because oh. it will be FA Cup weekend, and that will mean a lovely Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday night trip for us down to West Ham later on in the season. So. Oh, you're joking! Nope. Honestly, yeah. sun- oh, Sundays away at West Ham yeah. are the worst games. Honestly, <laughs> it's a pain to get to. We have to get the coach normally because it's a Sunday midweek at West Ham. That is going to be flat whenever that is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So the Premier League late in announcing the TV fixtures as 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 usual. You know, really Shock. really putting the supporters first as usual. The Premier League. So yeah, thanks for that. But no, no, yeah, so so yeah, we've got some exciting games coming up. Uh, yeah, that Wolves one on Easter Saturday looks really tasty. Uh. Yeah, definitely proper tasty, that. Uh, the scenes after the game at Sheffield United, just going back to that, were really nice. I put a video on Twitter of um, Libby, who's a, a, a little girl that I've known for, for quite a while that loves being on the videos, loves doing her score predictions, and she got uh, Diaby's shirt after the game. And it's it's nice to see scenes like that. I think Martinez was, was on the uh, advertising boards giving it the big one, and it's nice to see that because it's been a good while, hasn't it? And I think it was sort of relief a little bit. I think it's kind of given us that we're able to sort of refocus now after some potential doubts about slipping away a little bit I think it's nice to refocus and it's sort of perfect timing get our eyes on the prize again and go again essentially I just, yeah and I just I just think this Villa team is different I just think it's built different and I think the manager uh, you know has changed the mentality around the club and for such a long time it's been our oh, Villa you know Villa are going to bottle it and that's what Villa have been for mm. forever but even during our sort of if you can call it a sticky spell, I mean, even in our sticky spell, we only lost two games, you know, and that, and that yeah. and that's and that's the key to it, isn't it? And and I, but even through that, I still had faith because I thought this team has been has been so consistently good for such a long time now. I don't think we are sort of you know typical Villa bottling it sort of a team again, and um, yeah, so it was it was probably a sense of relief, but. I don't know. I had confidence in that they were going to do it. I just, I just don't see. I, I just didn't see us going on like a run of games where we were going to, you know, lose three or four on the trot. I just don't think this Villa team. I just don't think this Villa team are going to do it under Emery, to be honest. And, um, and yeah, I just think we've got that. We've got that little bit of consistency in our game, and uh, and yeah, fully, fully trust the manager and the teams. I think, I think we'll 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 reach our targets. I really do. Oh, I bloody hope so, mate. Next up, then Chelsea at home in the FA Cup on Wednesday night, live on the TV on ITV. They were dismantled by Wolves at the weekend. I watched the, um, I mean, I only watched the three-minute highlights just before we came on, but some of them goals were were pretty horrible, giving away a, a nasty penalty and a couple of 
pretty lucky deflections uh, for Wolves. I wonder how they're going to rock up to Villa Park. Obviously, they'll have the backing of, what, 6,000 away fans at Villa Park. And it's weird, actually, because I think the Chelsea fans have got the upper north stand as well as the normal away end, but Villa fans have got the lower north. I don't think I've, I've ever seen that. It's a bit of a weird system they've got there. I think the last time that happened was when, um, you know, remember we played West Brom in the quarterfinal under... Uh... Under Tim Sherwood, was it? Oh, is that what they had? Yeah, that happened then. The only reason why I remember that what? was because uh, West Brom fans were throwing coins down at the Villa fans. Like, that's the only, what do you expect? Yeah, that's, the only, <laughs> that's the only reason why I remember that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's maybe only not the second time I've seen it as well. But uh, it's, I think it's going to be a bit of a weird game, though, because I think... I think Pochettino's under pressure. He's under big pressure. I mean, like there's been like there's been talk today that Chelsea are even like we're even looking at like sacking him, and I, which sounds ridiculous. Oh, but sake. we'll talk about today that Chelsea apparently are worried that if they do sack him and he's he's a hundred million coaches that they'll breach FFP, which says it all kind of thing that that's even being discussed. <laughs> but I'm not surprised with their crazy owners. It's, let's be honest, it's not the manager at Chelsea. It's it's the a ridiculous squad. And how and how and how they've managed transfers and and recruitment in the past two years or so. But I think it's a weird game because Chelsea can hurt you. They've got some good players on the day, but obviously they're a very young side, so they have a lot of inconsistencies within the game as well. And yeah, they can hurt you. They've got some good players. So, but at Villa Park though, you should be hoping you know it's going to be near enough for full house. I think. And so yeah. you know, at Villa yeah, Park yeah. with with them behind, you know, the Villa fans behind them on a on Wednesday night, you've got to. You've, you've got to be confident, haven't you? And I think Villa will go sort of full strength as they as they sort of have to. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting game. It's a really it's and it's and I think it just feels bigger now because we obviously we know it's going to be Leeds or Plymouth in the next mm. round, and so like the pathway is sort of opened up a little bit, and you know you know that you're not that far away from a sort of a quarter final sort of thing, which would then uh, potentially get you to Wembley. So um, yeah, it's it's it kind of feels like it's all of a sudden become quite a big game on Wednesday night. Yeah, again, we'll go back to it. Fair play to the club for the, for the ticket prices for this Chelsea game. They are very good. And I looked at it this morning and it looks like they've, they've sold pretty well. I think the whole end is is all but sold out. I think there's still a, a few tickets going. So if you haven't got your tickets yet and you are, are thinking of going, I definitely recommend it. It should be a decent one. And I think there'll be a... I think going into the Newcastle game, it felt a little bit flat at Villa Park. I know we hadn't been there for a month or so, but Villa are on this... Again, we talk about it all the time, but this runner form that, that, that wasn't great and the performances weren't great. But I think the feel-good factor will be back at Villa Park, obviously after such a fantastic result at the weekend and just going back to sort of Villa Park three, four days after that. I think there'll be a feel-good factor back. Hopefully the atmosphere will be decent and uh, hopefully that will carry the lads over the line. I just wonder whether that will be there will be a reaction from from Chelsea after that sort of horror show against Wolves at home. Well, potentially, and they've got it in them. It's not like we're it's not like we're coming up against a side that's you know terrible side. Like I say, Chelsea have got yeah. the the tools in the in you know in their in their toolbox to, to really sort of hurt you. But like I say, they're they're inconsistent. They're a young side, and um, you know Villa know you know Villa have played them twice already this season, both times away, and we've left with. Um, three points, and then obviously the, a draw in, in in the previous game, and so I think Villa, I think Villa know that you know overall we we we, pro- we can probably get the the better of Chelsea, but they have got players that can still hurt you. So Villa needs to be on their A game sort of thing still. But I think I'm I think I'm confident now. I think we can. I think we'll I think we'll progress. To be honest, I really do. And uh, yeah, and I think that'll be uh, and that'll be interesting then because like I say, it does open up a little bit for you. And uh, yeah, fans are able to start casting their eyes towards maybe. First time FA Cup glory since 57, so 
Yeah, let's hope so anyway. Yeah, let's get to Wembley. Does it go to um, extra time or is it straight to penalties? Extra, extra time, yeah. Uh, yeah extra oh, time God, it might be a late night then. I'd, I'd, have you ever seen any... Well, apart from the West Brom game, I think that's the only penalty shootout I've seen, uh, seen Villa in. It's a bit of a weird dynamic. I wouldn't say no to a, a penalty shootout. If it gets there, obviously I'd like to win the game inside 90 minutes, but uh, that'll be something different, won't it? Yeah, I'm not a fan of penalty shootouts though, mate. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't like them. I really don't like them. So I prefer not to watch one of them, to be honest with you. So yeah, let's just get the job done in 90 minutes Villa and it would be nice and easy then. yeah of course and after that we've got United we'll talk about that really briefly obviously they haven't lost, lost in 2024 so far uh, going back that was Emery's first game wasn't it that was Villa's first win against United at Villa Park in 27 years huge game like we've said to keep them at arm's length and it's, it's going to be interesting to see if we get through that Chelsea game we're going to be on a decent bit of form and a decent bit of momentum. So you'd fancy us again. Half four is a pretty naff kickoff time. It's it's going to be getting dark, but you'd fancy Villa Park to be pretty electric for that United game as well. And we're going to need it to get over the line against them, to be fair. I'm not, I mean, I'm not making it out like they are some sort of super team because they have had tendencies to be pretty, pretty crap recently. I watched them against Newport and they struggled at times. But you know what they're like against against Villa. I don't think they like playing against aggression though, and that's the, that's why Villa could do with you know hitting them very early, sort of thing. Really being really yes. aggressive in their tactics. United United crumble under pressure a little bit. They did it. They very almost threw it away against Wolves, didn't they? You know, last um, yeah yeah the, the other the, the other night, and um, and that was because Wolves just put all the piled on all that pressure and were really aggressive with it. Okay, United in the end, you know, went up the other end and, and won the game, and that was because Wolves were a little bit naive in the end, but. Yeah, I think that's the tactic against United. Really, it's be really aggressive from the offset, and um, and I think you can, you know, you can really sort of get at them. Definitely, they can see goals. United do so. So yeah, definitely get at them, and um, and yeah, we've got a chance. But yeah, again, it's the type of games you want to be involved in, though, isn't it? Two really big games on the horizon, both at Villa Park. Um, yeah, bring it on. It's exactly what we did last year, isn't it? Go at them quick, yeah. early, aggressive. I think it was Luca Dean last year. It was Leon Bailey and you're up 2-0 so quickly. And it's nice to have that buffer against United because how many times have we seen us blow it and X, Y, Z? We're not, we're not great. We all know the record. So it'd be nice, like you said, go at them hard. Nice, loud Villa Park. Everyone talks about the atmosphere. Get an early goal. It'll be absolutely rocking and we'll sort of drag the team over the line as we did last year against United. Yeah, no, exactly. You're not, look, let's, United are not a great side these days. They're not. They're, they're, they've got a lot. They've got weaknesses in that in that team, and um, obviously, mm. it looks like Lissandro Martinez is going to be missing for a, a little while now. They're on about maybe until after the March international break, I think it is. So he's going to be missing, which will be a bit of a, a blow for them, mm. but a bit of a boost for us, kind of thing. So we, hopefully, we can take advantage of that. So yeah, it should be uh, should be an interesting one. Um, but yeah, hopefully, Villa Park's fired up and. Let's hope we can start start another decent run back at Villa Park. Absolutely. Any final words then? An absolutely massive week for Aston Villa in a couple of competitions. Europe isn't too far away now. This time next month, we'll be uh, nearly on our travels again. So looking forward to that. Like you said, it's the sort of the run into the season now. There's only 15 games left and it goes so, so quickly. A lot can change pretty quickly as well. Feels like it's uh, all hotting up and hopefully in Villa's favour towards the end of this season. Yeah, yeah. I think Saturday was much needed. I think it's... Um... I think it's really sort of calmed the nerves that a few people had and um, yeah. it's got us back on track and it's got us looking forward now towards the rest of the season. And you're right, it, it goes so quick. It feels mad to say we've only got 15 Premier League games left. Like They they, they come round so quick these days that it, you know that the season just flies by, doesn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, and so we're really into sort of, not the business end quite yet, but really sort of the nitty-gritty time now where it's like, okay, show a bit of consistency and uh, 
and 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 you know you'll you'll be sort of guaranteed to have a successful end to the season. I think that's got to be Villa's aim, really. Villa's Villa's aim has got to be to keep this gap between fifth and sixth, and I think the aim has got to yeah. be to try and cement that fifth place first. And then once you've kind of done that, I think you know you need to start looking upwards and think: Can we finish fourth? Can we finish? Can we even finish third, etc.? Um, and I and I think that has got to be Villa's aim over the next over the next sort of few weeks to months of the season. Um, but yeah, it's just brilliant to be talking about it, isn't it? Really, it's just amazing that we're in. It's amazing that we're in this position. Um, it just feels ridiculous. One last question then: Have you sacked off the uh, title chat? Because with Arsenal's victory over Liverpool at the weekend, we're still only five points off it. You know, we're still we're still there. Could it happen? Um, I, 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 <laughs> look, we, we're in it. We're in it until we're not in it. You know, and that's the thing I'd say. Yeah. I don't think realistically we're in it. I think <laughs> I think Man City, Arsenal, and Liverpool will will you know will turn into a bit of a. A free a free horse race kind of thing, and I think those teams are, you know, particularly particularly strong. Liverpool have been brilliant in recent weeks, and obviously they stumbled yesterday against Arsenal. And City, as we know, are relentless. And as I'm speaking, they've literally just equalised at Brentford. Um, so yeah, and they're and they're just kind of you know relentless, and they just come into their groove this time of year. So but Villa aren't out of it until you're out of it. Um, and I think we'll keep a pace. I think we'll keep up there, keep a pace with it. Mm. Um, but realistically, probably not, and that's uh, and that's absolutely fine. I think. If you said to any Villa fan at the start of the season, we're going to be, we're going to be, finish, we're going to be finishing fourth. I'd absolutely snap your hands off if you're off me fourth right now. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's got to be Villa's aim, I think. Hundred percent, top four has got to be the aim. So stay positive, everyone. Um, it's looking good again after a, a massive win at the weekend. It is all good feels around the Villa ahead of another massive week. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a nice review and do subscribe so you never miss any podcast going forward. Thank you very much for listening. I imagine the next podcast will be after this Chelsea and Manchester United double header, uh, probably Monday, Tuesday next week. So we'll speak to you then. Do subscribe to Villa on tour uh, to see my trips to Chelsea and United as well at Villa. Park. We shall speak to you next week. Up the villa. Oh, oh, oh.